Glory to Jesus Christ. Glory forever. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. I don't know if anyone has realized yet what this upcoming Sunday starts. This upcoming Sunday is Zacchaeus Sunday, where we start having our pre-Lenten preparation. So... Time to get out the old Linton uh, cookbooks, etc., uh, and start preparing oneself for the upcoming great fast. We have uh, in commemoration the Holy Apostle Onesimus of the Seventy. And if you're wondering, if you've heard this name before from the New Testament, it is that Onesimus. We know from the pen of the Apostle Paul that Onesimus was a runaway slave, that his master had been Philemon, uh, and that Paul had basically reached both of them, and they both had become Christians, and the epistle that we have from Paul to Philemon is Paul writing to Philemon, telling him to receive Onesimus back, not just as the position that he had been when he had been with Philemon before, but to receive him as a brother. We know from tradition, because we remember Onesimus uh, for a few things. Uh, Remember Philemon, because he frees Onesimus in receiving him back as a brother. Uh, And then Onesimus uh, is one ordained by the apostles to be a bishop following Timothy. We know this from the epistles of St. Ignatius, the God-bearer, that Onesimus was, as we heard in the hymnody tonight, uh, a great preacher. Uh, He is in many ways kind of a, a great icon of what it was for Christianity right after the apostles. He was uh, a great representation of one who has converted and preaches, one who then becomes a leader, he becomes a bishop, uh, and then one who also gives his life for the sake of Christ in martyrdom. He's especially an icon because he really represents uh, the revolution that Christianity really began, uh, the leaven that was to uh, really overturn the Roman Empire or to Christianize and to, within just a few centuries, uh, become the religion of the Roman Empire. It is in Onesimus, uh, if you know anything about ancient uh, history, uh, or even if you were to go to old Europe as in like not that long ago, uh, we had a very uh, stratified society compared to here in America. We have our obvious stratifications, but not like they did have in the Roman Empire, where you definitely did not eat at that table with somebody who was below you. There was a very strong sense of who you were and how you conducted yourself, uh, and that really, at the end of the day, if you were to read even the philosophers, it's not until much later when Christianity is starting to spread. that the Romans changed their ideas, or the Greeks changed their ideas about the, uh, I'll say, I'll use this term, even though this is kind of idiosyncratic, the sanctity of life, that each life 
was actually holy, that there was something even in a slave or someone who was beneath you, as it were, socially, uh, that they had dignity. This is, of course, women as well. Because in the Roman Empire, there was uh, what we understand as human rights, or that women have uh, equal dignity as men do. These are all things that Christianity really overturned the basic Roman mindset. The idea of caring for other people, hospitals, Christian. The idea of uh, being able to receive equals, to be able to communicate, uh, to be able, I mean, think of Paul in Corinthians, where he is telling them very clearly, you cannot uh, separate the rich and the poor uh, in, in the Eucharist or in the meal that you're supposed to have together because you are one in Christ. All of this leavening of Christianity, I think we, especially as we've been reading this week from the epistle of James, James is very clear about that there's two routes. One is basically the route of the flesh and carnality, and then the other is the route of the spirit and obedience to God. One is the path of life, and one is the path of death, and there's the path of life that Christianity introduced that overturned not just hearts, but the social order as well. This is all through the book of James. Don't have preference for those who have money. Do not uh, watch your mouth. Uh, all of these things, where, where do wars come from, James says? It's because of our lusts, because we want more, because we're not satisfied. So the Christian revolution, I, I hate to kind of use that word because some of these, the vocabulary has baggage, as it were, but Christianity introduced, our Lord introduced a way of life that was in many ways direct opposite of what the status quo was. And this is the life that still to this day, because the flesh is very strong, uh, that haunts us or that wants to drag us down, that wants to encumber us as opposed to us actually spiritualizing our bodies. Uh, as actually having the spirit rule over our desires and our actions. That's how Philemon, who probably lost a prophet in freedom Onesimus, was able to, at the bidding of the apostle, to free Onesimus. This is why we, in our hearts, need to find, uh, we probably don't need to find, we're probably aware of what they are, the little bits that need God uh, to come in and uproot, kill, and to restore or heal and put in our right place. So let us in the prayers of St. Onesimus, a great preacher, uh, bishop, martyr, former slave, uh, pray for us that we may be freed from all encumbrances of sin and join him in the heavenly ranks. In the name of the Father, of the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Amen. <coughs>